0: Welcome back to the Everyday Hair Colourist. Today's guest is Lisa Farrell, an award-winning hairstylist, a session stylist, founder of Wig London. This lady has lots going on. BHBA Stylist of the Year, Natural Hair Stylist of the Year, Weave Stylist of the Year. Mm -hmm. Focusing on education and hair equality, teaching the art of texture-neutral hair at Wig London. Welcome, Lisa.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Great to chat. I've only ever seen you at events where we've run outside and had a quick smoke and a drink and a bit of a dance. So it's really lovely yeah. to get to know you today. Thanks for coming on.
1: Not normally like tequila in one hand, a cigarette in the other hand, or something else going on. But yeah, thanks for having me. Like it's really good to just have a chat, like hairdresser to hairdresser. I think it's really good.
0: It really is, and we shouldn't be saying that we're smoking these days. I'm trying to vape, but anyway, not to worry. No. We'll leave it in. How did it it all start for you, hairdressing? How did you get into it?
1: I mean, I'm from the Midlands, so I'm from a small little town. And I started hairdressing from the age of about 13. And it really came from me just going to the same salon every single day and going, give me a job, give me a job, give me a job, give me a job. And literally being really prepared like repetitive and annoying Um, and so that's how I got my first foot into the salon and I didn't really want to be a hairdresser I was kind of a little bit of a rebel at school I just wanted a little bit of money to buy cider at the park with my mates on a Friday night and I thought this was the solution to all of my problems (laughs) and it all kind of started from there really Um, and I just figured out that you know I'm actually good at this and you know people at school had kind of disregarded me as being someone that was just cheeky and rude but it's really because all I wanted to do was create art and no one really knew what to do with me. So that's kind of where it all started.
0: That's a, a reoccurring conversation, I think, that so many of us in this industry, we, we, di- we could have been bright at school, but we didn't apply ourselves. We didn't enjoy it. We wanted to do something creative and we were sort of written off in some ways by schools.
1: Yeah 100% and I was always a bit of a rebel I remember like even now and being a being like in a from a teaching and education point of view now I've done FE um I've done you know 14 60 year olds teaching as well throughout my career and now I'm like you rude little, do you know what I mean? Because I used to wander in and out of classrooms. I used to be like, yeah, I'm coming in here, like thinking I was some (laughs) like rude girl. And, but really it's because no one really knew what to do with me. I was never offered university. I was never offered anything going forward. The only person that kind of really helped me out was, I remember it was the deputy head at the time. And it's because I was doing some Zandra Rose provocative art where I was turning pencil drawings of bananas and I was piercing the ends of them. And they were like, no, you're, you know, you're <laughs> root, and I was like, It's prerogative, it's art. <laughs> so, so that's, yeah, I think we kind of were, you know, wrote off, and I think Gandhi said it if you've got a horse a goldfish and a bird and you tell them all to climb a tree they're not all going to be able to climb a tree the goldfish can't climb a tree but it doesn't mean that it's not an amazing swimmer and I think the school system really kind of I hope it's changing a little bit but yeah it kind of disregarded us creatives a little bit.
0: I It totally did unless you were very sort of um, humble and quiet and just put your head down I think if you were sort of outspoken bored and a slightly rebellious then it was there was loads of problems wasn't there? Yeah, Probably and it's kind
1: of is. like, yeah, and it's like any movement. We were kind of then driven to a hair salon where anything goes and we were allowed to just be whoever we wanted to be, you know. And, you know, that's how we learned how to be in life. So, yeah, I, I really have a lot of love for the hair salon and for allowing me to just be me.
0: So, 13, you became a Saturday girl, doing the lunch runs, sweeping up, listening to all the stuff in the staff rooms, being absolutely oh, fascinated by it all.
1: Like, literally, Friday night after school, Saturday um, all day. But I was from, you would call it, like, a vintage salon now, but it was proper old school. I remember getting sent to the local masses, like, the hardware store, and he made me ask for, like, a long way, a glass hammer. Like, he was, like, old school, cheeky chap. It was, like, boys club. Like, this is this is where I learnt my banter, I'm, I swear.
0: I got asked to go and get a tub of elbow grease from the hardware store. <laughs> You know? and, and you know, I still do that, and it takes the kids a couple of minutes to kind of click onto it. But I was so naive that I actually went.
1: <laughs> yeah, me too. But that's what yeah. I, But this is that's all what's fun, and I think people miss miss out on that a little bit now because I think there's a rush at the moment. Um, there's a rush, and I do courses, obviously, at Wig London, like we touched on earlier, but I do short courses. But there is kind of this urgency now to want to learn everything straight away. And I really appreciate the fact that I work from the absolute bottom. And, you know, I did, I did have to, like, laugh at myself and, you know, go and get these long weights and, like you say, elbow grease and whatnot.
0: Yeah, it is. I think it is different now, and the expectations of young people are slightly different to... Um, when we were there, because of course, a lot of the stuff was disciplines for us, wasn't it? The, the shampooing, the sweeping up, the knowing how to keep a salon tidy. I mean, I recognize that nobody really wants to do that. I don't think I did at the time either, but they yeah. sort of, those disciplines serve you well. But then we learned Marcel waving and finger waving and all of that and pin curls and those kind of things that are very important for a session stylist. Yeah, for sure. Um, and incredibly important to create shape. But nowadays, lots of young people can't do that, but they want to get into session and they suddenly have to learn it.
1: Yeah. Well, this is this is why I am a bit of an advocate for real talking. And I do, you know, the real talks with Lisa, because I think a lot of the time people aren't honest about the industry. I know me and you will have an honest conversation. and This is an honest conversation now, but a lot of the times you know what's plastered on social media isn't the reality so yeah you might see me on a flight to Paris and it looks all bougie but the reality is I've probably had one hour sleep I'm you know my case is broke I'm worried about my hair dryer you know that's got the same adapter on being lost at the airport with my bag of wigs like we need to be honest about the whole situation and to be able to adapt to those situations as a session stylist needs experience and you need to be able to be calm and that comes from you know the training that we had back in the day and being able to put that all into our everyday experience to what we're going to do now. Um, So I think we have to be honest about that, that it's not all, you know, Instagram pictures and selfies. It is like hard, painstaking work. And I love it, you know, as do you. So it is worth it. But we have to be honest about that journey as well, I think.
0: Yeah, I think I'm sometimes guilty of putting a nice picture up of sort of an airport lounge or something like that. But the trudgery and The panic of making sure you've got everything through and have you got enough of everything that you need for that event and you're absolutely worn out. And then the time change and they expect you to go straight into something. It is different, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean... It's
0: not glamorous.
1: It's not glamorous. I mean, and you just have to do it for the love. You do it because you love it. I love being on music videos. I love being around other creatives. And, you know, I wouldn't change it. At times, I'm like panicking about when my invoice is going to be paid, when the next job's coming in, you know, especially living in London, you know, with the rent prices, this, that and the other, I want to buy somewhere. It it can be stressful, but you have to be realistic and go, do you know what? This is the life that I choose because I like unpredicted times. I can be working for like a month solid and I'll be absolutely exhausted. And I'll be like, all I want is a normal life, Netflix and a bath. And then, you know, I'll have two days off and I'm like, oh my God, where's the next job coming from? What am I doing? And like, that's the reality of it. But, you know, I kind of love it it's a bit addictive
0: it's very self-employed though isn't it it's very gig economy waiting for the next job and then you've you've got a ton of jobs you your absolutely oh my god I can't cope with this onto the next one blah 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 and then suddenly it's yeah. like okay now let's wait for the invoices but before yeah. you got to session so you're in the you go into the salon full time what was yeah. that like what was that training like for you how long ago was that over 20 <laughs> years ago yeah
1: Babe, you never ask a girl her age. Um, I'm
0: not asking your age.
1: <laughs> so, no, yeah, it was about it was about twenty years ago now. But I um I worked in a salon full time, but I also went to college full time. I didn't do an apprenticeship, right? Because a full time. Um my full time hours at college was like two or three days a week. So I could still work full time in the salon and do full time at the college, like full time to me is five days. So it didn't make much sense to me. I was like, I'm just going to try and get the best of both. Um, so then going full time into the salon, it was great. But like I say, the salon was really old school. So I was I learned all the fundamentals like you say, Marcel Waves, your pink curling, how to make a hair up last a week. Do you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> that that yeah. I was taught all of that. So after I kind of qualified, I ended up working in the salon for a little bit. But because it was, you know, in a small town, and I've always kind of been a bit of a city girl, I then started to venture out a little bit more. And I ended up working. Um, I used to travel 60 miles in Burm- to go to Birmingham, actually. And I worked in a salon in Birmingham. And that's where I actually started to learn how to do Afro hair. Because at college, they told me, you know, don't do Afro hair, they the word they, like to do their own hair, you won't be accepted, Um, there's no point. And I was like, listen here, Sandra, Sandra. (laughs) <laughs> the reason that the reason that there are separate salons is because there's no place for people with Afro hair to go on the high street. So I took it upon myself to travel, I think it was like a 90 mile round trip to Birmingham. I, I learned how to do Afro hair, I did a course there, um, and I ended up um, yeah working in Birmingham. So that's kind of where that started.
0: This work ethic is started out from an early, early age, like yeah. the determination to fill that week And then to go and to suddenly reach out and try and learn a new skill, which is always amazing anyway. But for a very young person, what motivated you?
1: I, I mean, I always say I've got my mum's dance moves and my dad's work ethic. Like, my my family is very um, work-orientated. We're from, like, really humble. I'm from a mining village, so everyone kind of worked. There's no privileged background. Everyone works and shares what they have. So, for me, it was kind of a given that I'd always wanted to... Um, be successful, and my dad was always like, "Do something that robots can't do." And my mum and dad never really gave me any pressure. They always had my back, even when I was in trouble. They had my back. If I got, you know, I remember, you know, one night getting arrested, then they were there, like having my back. <laughs> do you right. know what I mean? Because I, when I was a little bit rebellious, and all they ever kind of said to me was, "Whatever you do, always make sure that you have manners, you're respectful, and you be the best that you can be." So if you're if you're stacking shelves in Tesco. Be the best shelf stacker that there is. Like whatever you do, just give it one hundred and ten percent. And I think because because there wasn't that pressure there, I always had these high expectations of myself, and I just didn't like to think that I couldn't do anything. But I think when you want money, and you know, even if it's kind of you know a bit of pocket money for Friday night, I had the high in my head that I had to earn that myself you know, so I didn't want to have to to ask anyone for anything or rely on anyone for anything. Mm. Um, So that's kind of where that came from, I think.
0: That's brilliant. That's brilliant. That's the best message a parent could give to a child, really, isn't it? Just be the best that you can be.
1: Yeah, no pressure, you know.
0: So Birmingham was your first big city.
1: Yeah. How
0: did that go? What was that like for you?
1: Oh my God. I, I mean, I, I love Birmingham. I've I spent a lot of years there. So when I was in Birmingham, the actual tutor said to me, will you come and work in our shop on a Saturday? Because I was like, I need some experience. I need some hands-on experience. And I was like, yeah, of course. And at this time, I was then working in a real big chain, um, a real high street, high-end salon as well. So I obviously I squared it with them. I was like, okay, I'm not going to be working saturdays anymore because i'm going to be going working in um you know another salon and this was a traditional afro hair salon and for anyone that's seen beauty shop or next friday i was the only white girl in there no one would sit in my chair um everyone would walk past me and look look at me and then if someone did sit in my chair it was because they wanted either a wig put on or they wanted their hair to look european so it was a real it was a it's an amazing time I was there for about six years I learned so much but I really had to earn my stripes like I earned my stripes I had to prove myself and then after a while I was getting booked out and I was like yeah 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 this is all good but um but yeah I had to earn that and I'm really humbled and grateful for that as well because especially where I am in the industry and how much I talk about being texture neutral and afro hair and I try and use my platform it's not something that I've kind of decided that like six weeks ago this is something I've been doing for like 50 years so um, yeah it's really important to me and that that background's really important to me too
0: that's brilliant that uh, another salon would let you go and do something in another salon too because normally people get really annoyed about that kind of thing so that was that was a gift wasn't it yeah but
1: definitely. then to go and
0: have to prove yourself and I can imagine what that would look like because the dialogue that goes on Then, and I experienced that dialogue in the US as well, was that that the hairdressing industry is quite segregated. Very. Um, You know, and so there's this sort of, but it isn't just in the UK. It's also in the USA. Uh, Most people go to what they perceive as either Afro-Caribbean hair or black hair. And then other people go to Caucasian hair. Um, How did you prove yourself in that?
1: Um, just by learning my craft by, right. you know, I, I learned how to do Afro hair, but also I learned that as a white woman, especially, I'm not taking space I'm creating space and that was really important for me it's not about taking space it's about creating it and by that I mean I'm not going in there and trying to take someone's place I'm there going okay I'm gonna I want to be able to do every single hair type it broke my heart when I saw someone get turned away from the salon based on their hair texture yeah and ultimately to me that was based on the colour of their skin because anyone can have any hair texture now. Like we are all a big mixing pot and that's been there for centuries. So you're basing a consultation off the colour of someone's skin and and that to me just screams surrogation and I hated it. So I didn't really give this salon that I was in much choice, but also it was to their advantage because they wanted me to be, you know, the hairstylist that could do someone's hair if someone came in. And from that salon, um, I'm not going to say their name, but they are, you know, big at fashion week as well. I, that then turned into me you know going backstage at fashion week and being put in a corner and going okay all the black girls go to lisa you know so it benefited them as well but i didn't really give them much choice i had a very clear plan of this is what i want to do and i'm not going to be right. deterred from it um but proving myself is is just from doing it and showing it like if you walk the walk you've got to talk the talk that's my motto and that's what that's what i had to do
0: it's brilliant that's a fascinating story well done from from there so, I mean, you know, this, this resume sort of blows up, really, music, video, all of that. So you're working in two salons, you're yeah. learning something that you didn't understand, which I think is so important in our industry anyway, yeah. that you weren't taught in our industry, which we'll get to that a little bit later. Yeah. Where next? What happened then? I mean, this is an incredible story.
1: I know, it's, it, is, it is a bit of a story. And I think I do have to really say as well that, you know, working in you know a predominantly European salon as well and I think I have to say this message as well because I think even one of my friends called me the other day and she was like I feel like such a racist because I don't do every hair type and you know it's not that it's not that anyone needs to feel bad about it and I'm not saying that because salons don't do all hair types that they should feel bad about it either I'm just saying that there's no education out there and that's why I put education in place for it but it's it's not it's not to make anyone feel bad. It's just that, you know, I just think it's really important. So yeah, so working from them um, two salons, I then went on to um, to teach at a private academy. Um, so they said, okay, we come in and teach. So I was still working at these two salons. I don't, I, you know, juggle it. I think I was only about. 21 at this point and they were like okay we've got a new course coming up we teach it's 14 to 16 year olds Um, alternative provision so these are kids that have been kicked out of school college won't have them we're going to teach them hair so it's me in my leather jacket thinking I'm Michelle Pfeiffer in Dangerous Minds I was like let me have them (laughs) (laughs) that was literally I'm not even joking I remember saying to my sister I was like yeah Michelle Pfeiffer let me have them and um and that was, I just, you know what, I loved it. Even, it's one of the highlights of my career. Out of everything I've done now, that was one of my highlights, them kids. Because everyone had written them off. Um, we had meetings with their parents, and the parents had written them off. And you know what? I, like, I spoke to, like, one of the girls, like, this is going on how many years later. And she's got her own salon in Birmingham. She's got a family. She's making money. And it's just so rewarding like these kids that were written off are like I've got careers now and they're doing really really well for themselves and I'm like I'm yeah that's like got to be one of the highlights definitely
0: I wonder what a bunch of 14 to 16 year olds who have been written off was like to teach because I'm sure they came in there with that carrying that with them already yeah and then you walk in with your leather jacket and your blonde hair
1: Yeah, I mean, they were sucking their teeth, one girl picked up a chair once, but I was young. I was like, I was really young to go into that sort of teaching environment. So if someone starts sucking their teeth, I suck my teeth and I'm like, get out. I'm like, I ain't having that. Like, maybe it's really bad because I shouldn't have really been talking like that in my position. But I was like, if you don't want to be here, get out. And I kind of had that mentality and I kind of, because I was a similar, not a similar age, but I I knew their background. I was like, I know where you're coming from, but I'm going to give you a shot here and don't waste my time. Mm. So I was very real upfront and honest. And I think they really respected that. And they did. They really turned around. Like, yeah, like, honestly, it's like one of the most, I, I just smile thinking about it.
0: It's heartwarming as well. And when you look back and when you're speaking to people still now and they're working and you were you were part of that journey for them to help them into this industry. So great. Yeah,
1: definitely. And there's no such thing as naughty kids. Like, I, I hate this. And, I, you know, I think because I was like, maybe classed as one of them that was a bit like cheeky or whatever. There's, there's always a reason behind everyone's actions. And I think something that I've learned as I've got older is how someone treats you or talks to you isn't about you. It's about them. Yes. So you know if someone was to push past you on the tube or talk nasty to you or you know a partner or whatever that's not about you that's something that they're going through and you need to remove yourself from that situation because a younger me would have been a bit mouthy and gone who the hell do you think you're but now is you know a 33 year old woman that's my age but boom mic oh,
0: done <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> i would be like i would just take a few deep breaths and go do you know what they're going through something right now so allow it you know and I think that's really important
0: I think learning that at third by the time that you're your age now is incredible I think it took me a little bit longer to do that it took me some decent therapy sessions to kind of look at people and sort of forgive them for it and take myself out of the situation
1: yeah I mean yeah I've it it took me a while to get there but you know yeah 33 I feel like double my age from what I've been through so I'm like, I got there a little bit quicker.
0: <laughs> and from the teaching, how long were you in doing that for? Because that must that must have been yeah. Besides joyful, it must have been hard.
1: Yeah, I mean it. It was hard, but I think I just really just took it under my wing. I, I absolutely loved it. I really did, and I think I was just. I'm very practical focused. So if someone tells me to do something, I'm kind of like, why? So if I can explain why, that's how I do my teaching. Now, if I can tell you why that I want you to do something, not just because, then that's the reason that you're doing it. And I think when I'm teaching, and that really helped with those with those kids as well, because they were like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm getting why you're saying it. You're not just telling me to do something for the sake of it. I'm like, no, I want you to clean all up because... Of this reason or I need you to do your sections neat because of this and I think that was really important that I could relate like that and also I was like you know what I, I haven't got to be here I'm here because I want to I want you yes. to succeed I'm not a hairdresser that goes figure it out I want to show you what to do and I want you to be better if you don't if you're not interested then leave you ain't got to be here no you, everything's a choice so yeah I think that's really important
0: I think in education that is important isn't it because It's to be able to explain it in simple, clean, understandable pieces so that people can then take it and they can use what they like out of it, but they understand. So education played a key part for you, Lisa, early on.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: Obviously, educating yourself, which I think is like monumental and so important for personal growth, but also mentoring and looking after others. When was the decision to set up WIG? And what were the thoughts around it and the reasons why?
1: Um, so, Wig started, Wig London started in about 2016. Now, I remember the date really well because. What kind of happened was I was a session stylist, I was still doing session work. Like I said, I was always, you know, the girl that would do all the Afro or textured clients at Fashion Week. And I started, as part of like session work, I started teaching at an academy in East London. And through that, I ended up becoming like a freelance manager for them and, you know, putting courses together, managing a team and this, that and the other. Um, And then in 2016, I actually won um three ward awards for my collection armor at the black hair and beauty awards and i was a finalist for the british hair awards as well and this collection literally went absolutely viral so it got sold in America. Um, Willow Smith, Will Smith all retweeted it. It, it, It's still out there now. And when I do a collection, if I'm doing a collection for myself and it's not a job, um, I always tend to put something out there that's quite political and, you know, that sends a subliminal message. So that's what this collection was about. Um, So in 2016, I won all of those awards and the company that I was working with um, as a freelancer on the side was kind of like trying to take ownership of it a little bit. And they didn't like the fact that I was getting a lot of attention because you can't control the internet, you know, and it was just going crazy. And for me, I was like, I didn't see the problem with it because I was like, you know, you had nothing to do with this collection. So anyway, from that, they kind of was like, we don't want to work with you anymore because you're more known than now the Academy. So I was like, okay, that's cool. Um, And from that, I was like, screw that i'm just going to do my own thing so that's when i, I launched wig london
0: it's very disheartening when i hear things like that because i found even myself that coming back into the uk and be, wanting to be a brand within a brand and things like that that some companies just didn't get it mm-hmm. and other companies really get it and really understand it and it's not like you're taking away somebody's voice you're adding yeah, to the conversation and they are too and I, I just find it really sort of disheartening because I think it, it, a weaker person would would fall under that and say, oh, okay, you have it all. Yeah. Or, yeah, okay, then I won't do that. But the, the reason this industry is so great is because people rise up to the occasion. Yeah. Not because you're just working for someone.
1: And I think people do try and bully you a little bit and belittle you. And don't get me wrong, like I've been knocked down a few times um, and it's just important that you get back up. And this is what I say to anyone that comes on a course, like I have won a few awards, but I've also lost a lot. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) People forget
0: that bit, don't they? I've lost a
1: lot too. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, and everyone's like, oh my God, you're so humble when you lose. You're such a, you know, a good loser. And it's like, well, you know, it just obviously wasn't my time. It doesn't mean I don't go home and maybe like shed a tear over a glass of chardonnay but <laughs> it's important that you know there are a lot of losses as well as the wins and and i think yes. that's just like that is so important and i think as well i always describe myself as slumdog millionaire with you know i'm not I'm working on the millionaire bit but definitely if i don't know if you've seen the film have you seen the film Slumdog Millionaire.
0: Yes, I've seen the film. Yeah,
1: Yeah. so everything that I've gone through or experienced has prepared me for something else. So, you know, working in that vintage salon enabled me to be able to do vintage hair. Then, you know, going to that place in Birmingham to learn Afro hair enabled me to learn how to do Afro hair. That then tied into me working in the salon and being, you know, put on Fashion Week, but also being given a bit of a spotlight taking that negative of being put in a corner to do Afro hair and using that to my advantage to then working, you know, with troubled kids and, you know, to where I am now, it's all kind of a journey to lead you where you are, even to that guy, like basically sacking me because, you know, I got too popular in the hair industry, made me, you know, create my own course and my own academy and, and this, that and the other. So everything leads and, you know, is directing you to somewhere else. And you've just got to take, just keep getting back up, I think.
0: I think that's really important, isn't it? I think there are moments when I can remember sections of my career when I've been absolutely furious that I've either been held back or, you know, life's been made difficult for me and frustrated. But my kind of motto is just, like, get up and get on with it because the next job comes along or the next opportunity. But as you look back on the story you actually realise that if that you hadn't been through those things, you wouldn't be where you are now. So I've ended up feeling just thankful for all the experiences.
1: A hundred percent. You've just got to give thanks and you've got to be thankful because it just sends you on a different path. And I think sometimes we forget that and we have to remember that because it's really easy, especially from like our background of the generation where we learnt how to do hairdressing. You kind of, and it's still to, still to a certain extent now, but when you go into a salon, you... Don't don't show any emotion, you know. You might have been to a funeral, you might have broken up with your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, had an argument, you might even be hungover. But you go in the bathroom, you have a cry, you put your lipstick back on, you come out, and everything's fine, you hide all of your feelings, you hide everything. And we had always taught that. But again, now I'm starting to remember that it's okay to have feelings and it's okay to be able to say that you're not okay, because for a long time, I hid all of that I hid my emotional breakdowns and going oh I don't feel like I'm good enough you know and yeah
0: we we were always taught not to bring your private life to work which considering we are people people is sort of an odd thing isn't it
1: yeah definitely
0: so let's talk about the academy 2016 you set it up what was the response like
1: I'll be honest with you. So in t- so yeah, so 2016, Wig London launched and predominantly it was all about training courses. So it was about me doing private clients. It's like an umbrella. So Wig London has got like a salon, it's got an agency, it's got the academy. And the academy is either renting out pop-up spaces or we go to salons and teach them how to be texture neutral. Um, we teach them how to do all different hair types, how to colour Afro hair. But it's not just about going into European salons and teaching them how to do Afro hair and being extra neutral although that is a big part of it we also go into afro salons and teach them how to do european hair as well because obviously working in an afro salon um i remember teaching the guys how to do my hair because you know don't need as much oil you know you can't put the i i was taught with the oven with the hot tongs and you you know you can't put them on my hair because my hair's just going to snap off (laughs) like i was like Yeah. No, get away from my hair. So it's, it's about just these little techniques that we teach both salons to be inclusive of each other and, you know, become one. So in 2016, when that started, I'll be honest with you, because I'd got a lot of attention from the awards um, and also from being a session stylist and people knowing who I've worked with. Um, there wasn't a lot of people booking Afro courses, you know, it was it was still very much, you know, mm, I don't have that many Afro clients, so I won't bother or no, I just do Afro hair, I don't feel the need to be able to do both. Um, so it has been slow and steady, most of the courses that are the most popular ones are to do with session styling, um, which, you know, I'm really yes. grateful for, but I still, you know, encourage all of it. I think over the last sort of 18 months, everyone started to pay a bit more attention to the fact that there's not really Afro, any Afro hair courses out there. And when you type it in, Wig London comes up. Especially with what's going on at the moment, people are very aware of wanting to do it. So I hope it's not a trend and people actually start booking courses because the proof's in the pudding, isn't it?
0: It really is. I mean, when you look at your Instagram feed, you talk about all sorts of different textures. And I think that's what's beautiful about it. Texture neutral. What do you mean by texture neutral, really?
1: Okay. It's like hair
0: (laughs) hair is hair.
1: yeah hair is hair isn't it yeah
0: hair is hair
1: right oh yeah you said it hair is hair so when i talk about texture neutral it's about being judged on the texture of your hair and being able to do all hair types rather than being judged on you know the color of your skin so texture neutral really means that you can do all hair types and you don't get priced ridiculous amounts of money because you've got textured hair because you don't want to say that you can't do it there was a study I think that stylist mag did and it was they sent an afro um, woman with a big afro I think she was a model or an actress I can't really remember which is bad but um they sent her into all these salons on the high street and instead of saying they couldn't do her hair because obviously they felt bad they would put a ridiculous price tag on it mm. so that it would deter her from getting her hair done um, and I think that's what it's about it's about just being able to include everybody and being able to walk up the high street I mean London's a little bit different but being able to walk up the high street and be able to walk in and get your hair done I mean I always thought you know if I get married and you know a bonding experience is getting your hair done with your friends what I can't half of my friends can't come to a salon with me because they don't do their hair type yeah. like like that don't sit right with me. Like really don't. Like my, my nieces, my nephews, all brown with curly hair. You know, I've got friends that are black, mixed, family members. We're all, we're all mixed, but we can't go to the same hair salon. What a bonding experience right. to miss out on. And I think I saw that firsthand from being a hairdresser as you will. I never went to a hair salon and got my hair done, but I could see these families, mothers and daughters, sons, everyone coming in. And it's like, what? So if you're a multicultural family, you can't do that crazy that's like saying like yeah you can't take your black friends to the hair salon with you no I, I don't sit right with me
0: well i you know the thing that really surprised me so i mean you know i, I color hair and i i have a, a majority caucasian clientele but i also have people of of other um races and colors and creeds and religions and faiths and all that and i enjoy all of it um and it is in London, and it is a multicultural salon, which is which is good. But what surprised me in the last few weeks is that the MVQ doesn't even cover Afro Caribbean hair.
1: Well, th- with the. Well, with the MVQ, because like I am a I am a lecturer and assessor, like in my background, right. I did I did do that as well. We missed that part of the story, out, huh? but yeah, I went to university and got some stars and stripes. But
0: <laughs> I, I think we we might need two episodes. with you. I
1: know, I know, I know, <laughs> crazy. But um, so the MVQ it's an optional unit. So when you do your MVQ, you have the option to do it on European. Or Afro Caribbean, I think they call it African Caribbean. In the um, in the, is the true texture to it. Right. But um, yeah, you have the option to do it on either. So the option is there. But if you're in a predominantly white area, um, or you have a team, you've got a faculty that doesn't know how to do textured hair, it's not going to be into the curriculum for that year because there's no one that can do it so I think you do have the option the same as when I was in Birmingham there was courses that were going on that only taught how to do afro hair it wasn't a mix yes and I think that's where the struggle is because if you then admit to an mvq that needs to be able to teach both you need to then reevaluate your whole faculty or retrain them and I don't know I don't know how that's going to go. I hope that they retrain or bring people in or bring specialists in. I think that's what's needed. Mm. But yeah, at the moment it's an option.
0: Yes, and that's and that's probably what I mean by that. I didn't know that it wasn't actually part of the syllabus that you had to do.
1: Yeah, no. That that that's which is mad because I always say and this is how I was taught, if I had to do I remember when I did my training because my boss had a real big involvement for me to do a straight blow dry. He made me do a straight blow dry on curly hair. Like get that straight and you pass. Yes. That's how it was. It wasn't, yes. you know, someone coming in with hair like me, do a straight hair blow dry. Cause it'd be like, you know, you've only got a blow on it and it's done. <laughs> so.
0: Well, you know, sort of, I always, when I'm teaching, I always say, you know, a lot of it, the English clients have three hairs in a wish. Yeah. And I remember when I moved to the States and these, Heads of hair that were massive and they were really curly and all different cultures, of course. And you had to do a full head of foils in 45 minutes. And you'd be like, when I first started, I'd be having a heart attack because there was so much hair and I wasn't used to it. Yeah. But um, the, the thing that many women complain about when they've got curly hair is their blow dries don't last, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, the thing is that if, if you get known for doing good quality work on, you know, blow drying, Curly hair, smooth, and things like that. You have
1: clients for life. Yeah, definitely. I think, especially if you look at, you know, one of my friends has got a salon in Tottenham, and it's predominantly Turkish. Yes. Um, and oh my god, the blow dries that they do in that salon are absolutely They're amazing because it's all that they do every single day. And I think that's with everything. It's not saying that you can't specialize in something. It's just that you know, just having that knowledge of being able to do every hair type, song, I think, is important. I'm not saying that yeah. everyone's got. It's just about being. Included inclusive and if you've got a salon or you know you have got a platform being able to show inclusivity or different hair types I think you know really important and if you know if you're not taught that in in you know in your mvq then just go out and like maybe do a little course or you know learn learn how to do it a little bit I think I think that's the message that I'm trying to deliver more than anything and it's not saying that you have to do afro hair in your salon but It's about being inclusive and knowing that you're not going to turn someone away. And wouldn't anyone want to be able to be in that position of not turning anyone away based on the colour of their skin? Absolutely. Even just saying that, like, it's uncomfortable, isn't it? Yes. You know?
0: Yeah, it is uncomfortable for people to talk about. But I think you're right. It's about being able to do all of it. But, you know, you specialise in something. Like, you know, I can perm hair. My relaxers on curly hair of any, on anyone, aren't so great because I don't do so many of them. And my balayage is stronger on hair whereas my four highlights i'm sort of like oh do i have to do those today kind of thing you you do get known for something but it's about being able to do all of it if possible
1: yeah definitely and 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 that's exactly it you know if i was i think i'm kind of known for textured hair i mean i do Mm. all hair types but i think predominantly people are oh yeah you do like you know afro hair you do textured hair i do actually all hair types but you end up just getting booked for what people know you as or what you enjoy. And I guess when you enjoy doing something, that comes out in your work. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Let's talk about pop videos, music videos, celebs and a little bit of backstage. I mean, this, just this huge career crammed into a very short period of time. What was... some um, what was your first music video?
1: Yeah. I mean, it don't feel like a short period of time. I feel like, it, that's what I'm saying. People see the big videos with like Ed Sheeran and Travis Scott and Harry Styles and all of that and they're like, oh my God, Like, but it's, it's taken a long time. Yes. Do you know course. what I mean? Like it's, I've had, it's not, even now, like it's a lot of the times it's, you're chasing stuff constantly and it's just you know hoping that someone gives you recognition for a job on one time and gives you that option gives you that chance or options you out so um you know I'm not represented by an agency
0: the reason I say to you in a relatively short time of course is because my career nearly double yours so it seems like a very short period <laughs> of time to me <laughs> So you know, I I'm We're the same age. No, I'm at 38 years now, so it, you know it's a it's a it's a longer story. But people do think it happens overnight because suddenly yeah. they see something and they're like, oh, I've, I've just recognised that name. But of course, it it does take much longer than that. Yeah. What was the, so your first music video? What was that like? Um, Who was it? What did you do?
1: Oh my god! I, do you know what? I can't even remember. But I'm pretty sure it would have probably been in a field with no budget, and it was probably on Channel U. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs>
0: So it did, you didn't start off with Ed Sheeran then, and all
1: that. No, no way. I've I've done it all. Honestly, um, I've been on sets in a warehouse where they've let off a flare gun in some in the artist's hand, and it nearly blew our hand off. And um, yeah, I've I've done it all. Been through it all. I can't even remember, I can't even tell you the first video that I did. I love um, the
0: honesty and I love the humility on it. I could start it off in a field somewhere. I mean, yeah. again, everyone wants to be so famous straight away and it's just not, it doesn't, is isn't like that, is it?
1: No, stop trying to be like, can I swear, but stop trying to be fucking famous. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because it's not about that. Just have a skill, be good at it, master your craft and be really proud of what you do. I think that's really important.
0: I, honestly, I've really enjoyed today's conversations <laughs> with you. And I, it's absolutely, I, I feel like I know more about you now, which is even more interesting. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I want to talk to you even more about it. I really.
1: I, uh, I feel like I've just been talking. I want to hear all about you a bit more. <laughs> Tell oh, me oh, about sort of the United States. Come on. <laughs> I, I want to hear it all. May,
0: maybe another session or over a cocktail when we can finally meet.
1: Yeah, when we, when we can get out of this craziness.
0: Now, on social, you're really very active on social. You have fantastic stories on social, as well as images on your main page. I love your stories. <laughs> Quickly about your your lives that you're doing.
1: Um, So, it's so weird that you said that about my stories, because my stories are just kind of like... Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I need a break. And it's just like I say, it's just about being completely honest. And I think that's like really important and being able to laugh at yourself because, you know, we're all human here. Do you know what I mean? One week I'm eating noodles. The next I'm drinking champagne like this is our life. Like <laughs> it's just like being honest about it. Don't make anyone feel bad about themselves. So with my lives, I've been doing real talk with Lisa um, and that's just about being really honest and talking about different experiences talking about what happens in the industry and just being really frank and honest and I think that's what's needed to hear I think people need to hear that as well and I think it makes I get so many messages going do you know what thank you because you know sometimes people just look at Instagram and they scroll and they feel bad about themselves and they don't feel like they're doing enough and it's really refreshing what I want you to do is I didn't just want to do something for the sake of it I want you to just be like it's okay that you're not learning origami, kung fu, learning how to cook vegan Thai curry and learning, you know what I mean, all these things in lockdown. Like, it's okay, it's all right to spend a day in your bed watching Netflix or, you know, replying to emails with when you haven't showered for two days. Like, that's, it's normal, it's fine. Like, stop feeling bad about yourself. And also talking about what we go through in our lives and in this industry to make people understand that it's not all plain sailing, but, you know, you're going to be all right, you're good. I love that. Building a community. It's like me and you talking now. Like, we ain't rivals. It is a community. I, I hate I hate this rival thing where people are like, oh, I can't talk to such a such as they do here. And like, no, like, I, I, love, I love community. Like, session style, as you know, like, it can be a lonely place. I love talking to people. I love hearing stories. I love nothing more than a cocktail and some camp conversation. Like, I love it. So why not, like, reach out to people and create a community? And I think, you know... I love that. I love that about our industry.
0: You're on speed dial when lockdown's over. We're going yes, please. out.
1: please. I can't wait. I've already got my moves. I, I don't know how I'm... Out. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to work after quarantine. I don't know whether it's... Like, it's, I'm set.
0: <laughs> now, talking of moves, can you do a TikTok challenge? What, now? No, have you done one?
1: Oh. <laughs> um... <laughs> I'm like, now nah, let's go. Get it on. Um, what I've do? <laughs> done a few. So in in lockdown, I w- I've been staying with my sister because I came right. to visit just before we went on lockdown. So I've been staying with her and the kids. And she's got three. She's got three-year-old, two-year-old and a 14-year-old. So the 14-year-old has been teaching me a little bit of TikTok. So I've done a few with her. Um and obviously cuz i only came with a suitcase all of my clothes are leopard print so then when this tiger king carol baskin came out i feel like she's completely stole my identity so i've been t- <laughs> i've been, I've, been try- I've been trying to do have to do a little bit but um but yeah i don't know i sometimes i try and just distance myself away from all of it and then i'm like i will have a little splurge well yeah what about oh. you
0: I'm on TikTok, but I'm not doing any dance challenges or anything. I just got putting videos up, but I did a, I, I did a speeded up balayage application. Bab. And it had 909,000 views.
1: Yeah, wicked. Because yeah, you're but so just... good at social media, like you say that I'm good, but I feel like I'm really rubbish. Because I just like there's no organisation on my feed. I just post what I want to post when I feel like it. <laughs> I chat, I chat rubbish on my stories. Just being honest. But I, like you're really, really good at it. And I think all of these platforms can be a little bit overwhelming when I'm, I'm just like I just want to create art and sit in a cave and just talk and help and save the world. And like it gets all <laughs> a bit overwhelming. But I think you're someone that you know is just you're on it, like you're really
0: good at it. I think it can all be overwhelming, and there are days that I certainly don't want to do it, and there are days when I disappear, and there are days when I lay on the sofa, and the dog's barking, and the cat's meowing, and I just want to, you know, turn turn the world off. But there are other days when I get on it, and I enjoy it. So, But I enjoy my message yeah. on uh, social, really. So, and it's re- that's really about a community of people who like hair painting. And podcasting, of course, I love talking to people, about their stories because we all start off in a salon
1: yeah definitely we all
0: are everyday hairdressers aren't we
1: yeah and i think i think that's what comes across and the way that you've picked up on my instagram and i've picked up on yours i think the key word there is like what you've just said it's just about doing something you enjoy and just being authentic just be an authentic version of yourself yeah um And, you know, stop trying to be anyone other than that because everyone else is taken. Oh, my God, is that Oscar Wilde? I'm killing it with the quotes today.
0: You are killing it. (laughs) So, Lisa, for those that don't know you, what's your Instagram account?
1: Lisa Farrell so L-I-S-A F-A-R-R-A-L-L and then there's also one for Wig London which is Wig underscore London
0: Brilliant guys if you want to see what she's up to follow her she's an amazing account and an amazing woman thank you so much for joining us today
1: thank you for having me
0: so I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did making it for you don't forget to subscribe on your channel that you download your podcasts from. iTunes is my favourite, but I know there are others out there. And also, if you want to follow me on stories on Instagram, it's Jack Howard C-O-L-O-R, the American way, not the English way. And on Facebook, it's Jack Howard C-O-L-O-R. And my website is www.JackHowardColor, C-O-L-O-R.com.